Welcome to the Just a GP podcast. Today we have our special guest Edwin Cruz. We have Charlotte Hespy and Rebecca Hoffman. So hello everybody. Hi. Hello. Hi. So Edwin, every episode we start with a highlight of the week. Could you share with the listeners your highlight of this week? Um, well, we're currently at uh, GP18 in the Gold Coast, which is clearly the highlight of my week. I always uh, find it not just, uh, uh, you know, uh, good uh, to keep my skills up um, visiting workshops, but also fantastic to meet so many colleagues and uh, catch up with everybody. So that's clearly the highlight of my week. Uh, well, this is Charlotte speaking. I would absolutely echo Edwin's um, comments. My highlight has been being here and actually having the opportunity of hearing people voice their opinions at convocation yesterday uh, was actually really good and a particular highlight. I just, the feel in the room was really positive. I think everybody was engaged in trying to have high-level, high meaningful discussions about things that really matter to them. And so there were six items discussed and it was just really good um, high-level conversations, which um, as a member of the new board, um, as we're now called, no longer council, now board, and in fact, the recently elected chair as of just this afternoon. Um, I'm really excited. That, thank you very much. I'm really excited about taking those um, issues forward over the next 12 months. They were all excellent convocation items, weren't they? They were, yeah. um, which meant that the conversations were just all really positive, forward-thinking conversations. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually going to have the same highlight of the week because... I actually gave two of the convocation items um, and really just have to echo how wonderful it was to have the support in the room as well. I um, don't particularly love public speaking and it takes me a while to actually get into public speaking, um, but the support of people coming up and making positive comments and the general feel of the room actually meant that I fell into it much quicker than I usually would and I actually just felt supported by everybody and not like my usual fear I get when I'm public speaking which is worrying about what all the questions and comments are going to be afterwards and worried that there's going to be a lot of negative feedback but actually I quite felt that probably for the first time in a long time that the whole room was supporting what I was saying. So your topic was about flexibility in GP training yeah. which was a really good topic as well and I think you got a lot of support for that. Yeah it's a wonderful topic and something which um, echoed off what we've talked about previously which was my junior doctor burnout research that I did last year um, and something that I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens over the next 12 months. Great. And you also had a convocation mm. item about improving gender equity in leadership positions in the college and that was passed as well, so well done. I know, very exciting. Yeah, yes, you. congratulations. <coughs> I should do a plug for our new fellows committee who mm. um, is always very excitable about convocation and, and putting things through and we've been really successful to date. We passed something about having mentoring for new fellows at convocation as well, so I'm, I was really happy for Declan and, and his, his in submission for us. My highlight is exactly the same in, in terms of the vibe. I always love the collegiality that I feel when I come to the, the general practice conferences. It makes you feel a lot less alone. And it's so cool to meet people that you don't often get the chance to catch up with face-to-face. -face. Um, 
at any other time except for the GP conference and it's really fun to see familiar faces and and figure out what's been happening to people over the past 12 months and and get to hear about how they're going so that that's my highlight of the week for sure so we all have the same highlight as well. Yeah, that's a bad. good thing, though, yeah. isn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Edwin, as as we spoke about, um, we wanted to interview you on this concept of formal versus informal leadership. So I guess I'll start with defining what I mean by that and what we were hoping to cover, which is there's two types of leadership that I can see, especially within general practice at the moment and the healthcare sphere, and that's people who are in a leadership position so you know people like Charlotte Becker myself and you in the past Edwin where you were appointed to a role and you are a leader in that role and you have a allegiance to a company and also to a responsibility to whatever role that you're in and then there's informal leadership where you may have a lot of connection with other people in the industry and you're a thought leader by way of blogging or being involved on Twitter or being outspoken in terms of, of research and 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 what influence that has. So we wanted to pick your brains about how you found the difference between those two spheres because you've worked in formal leadership positions mm. but you're also um, quite active on on a blog and and on on yeah. Twitter and now podcasting where you 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 know you'll be considered a thought leader. Yeah, oh, thanks. Um, it's a really interesting topic and uh, uh, I, I had to think a little bit about it when you, when you invited me for this podcast. I guess informal leaders are, I mean, you, you mentioned blogging and social media, but it's probably also experts or early adopters. I can think of all sorts of informal leaders that have a certain influence on, on other people without actually having a formal leadership uh, position. And, and you are right, before I came on, uh, on, on council, now called the RSCGP board, um, I was, uh, as you describe it, uh, an informal leader. I find it hard to call myself a leader, um, but um, I guess uh, through the blog, uh, I certainly have had uh, some influence, uh, I guess. Uh, and I think informal leadership and formal leadership um, are two total different beasts, but I guess in a way they need each other. Uh, I guess formal leaders definitely need informal leaders uh, to support him, uh, to lead him in the right direction. And whether you call them informal leaders or good followers, um, I guess good followers are people that um, are in a positive way steering their leaders in the right direction. Um, and I guess informal leaders need formal leaders to make sure that what they are wanting to happen uh, actually happens. So I guess the two are really tied, uh, tied together. It is very hard though to switch from one role to another as I've personally found. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I've noticed um, the content of your blog had changed when you stepped yes. out of a formal leadership position as you were able to, I guess, more freely speak. Yes. And and it was the same in terms of before you were in a formal leadership mm. position, it was, it was different to when you were on a formal leadership position. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about how you had to manage 
what you were producing when you were in a formal leadership versus now and whether you still feel that it's important to manage the content now that you're not in a formal leadership position. Yeah, that's such a great question. Thanks for that. I, I, I guess when you're an informal leader, when you're a blogger, um, you can write whatever you want. Uh, you can say whatever you want. Uh, whether that's a, a good idea, that's a second, but you have the freedom to say whatever you want to say. Um, at the moment that I uh, stepped up into a formal role, you suddenly have the restrictions of the uh, the organization. You've got your uh, your uh, organizational policies and, and positions. Um, you've got your duties and responsibilities as a board director. And suddenly you can't say everything anymore that you want in public. You can still say it at the board table, and you should be saying it at, at the board table. But to the outside world, once the board has made a decision, whether you agree with it or not, you have to defend that position. You can't really step out of the board and say, well, you um, that was not me, that were those guys, you know. You're, you're responsible, it's your duties and your responsibilities as a, a, a director. So um, I certainly felt that that um, um, restricted me in, my, in the freedom of my, my blogging. But on the other hand, I had the opportunity to influence on the inside of a, a, an organization. So you still have the same influence Perhaps you could argue even more, but you just can't shout it from the rooftops anymore. I'm interested um, to hear from you, Edwin, about your how you think about the moral responsibility that yes. is aligned mm. with, well, both obviously formal and yes. informal. But it's interesting because, as you say, with formal leadership, there is a, an accountability to the organisation that you mm. aligned yourself up with for leadership. Whereas in informal leadership, there is a sense of no accountability. So how do you um, use, what do you use to sort of self-check or have any sort of, you know, moderation? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, so interestingly, uh, what happened then when I stepped out of the formal uh, role and, you know, you've got the freedom to say again whatever you want, it's, it again changed the way I, um, I blocked because I had seen on the other side what effect it has. And I think informal leaders, when they are using their influence in a positive way, can have an incredible positive influence on organizations. But if they're using it in a negative way, it can be incredibly destructive as well. And unfortunately, I think social media is, uh, is not uh, um, stopping anyone from saying anything and and um, sadly um, I see a lot of leaders moving away from uh, social media environments because it, it can be a bit nasty uh, at times and I'm not really sure I don't really have an answer for that because social media the advantages that you know everybody connects with everybody there's a great amount of freedom but there's nobody that says, well, you've now crossed the line. What you're saying now is offensive or is, uh, is, is destructive or is not helpful. Um, so it, People it comes behind down. the scenes don't? I'm sort of interested because certainly there's lots of public 
comments that can go up um, and that happens across all sort of media that I've seen. Yeah. Do you, has your experience been that people have had the um, uh, wisdom to actually then just talk to you offline about any of those issues or does it all happen online? So I guess social media by its very nature is self, almost self-regulated, isn't it? I mean, you mm. can file a complaint on Facebook about mm. somebody, I think, or you can block somebody, mm. but that's about it. I guess if people don't agree with me on my blog, they will leave a message in my comment section. Um, but um, yeah, I occasionally do get phone calls from people that, that don't, don't mm. agree. Um, I do think, though, that my experience as a formal leader has made me be a little bit milder and um, and it's, I, it's I, I often think that it's not just a blog that is the influence, but also that phone call. Just pick up the phone call, uh, pick up the phone or send an email, a nice email to your formal leader that may just have just the same influence as writing a nasty rant on uh, Twitter or, or Facebook. But that's only because I've seen the other side now. Yeah, and it too, I suppose it gives you that nice insight into about maybe sometimes that the strategic approach about, you know, doing the blog, doing the tweeting, having the phone calls with the individuals, backing it up with face-to-face conversations, mm. and so that you can sort of build an armamentarian of, um, of ammunition that gets fired in the direction of the pathway that you want to go down. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like to use the word fire uh, straight away. I think uh, I, I think probably when it comes to our own profession, we should probably more often pick up the phone and have a coffee with each other than um, writing something nasty on social media. Yeah, I'm with you. I th- and I think that's why all four of us have said today that the joy has been mm. being here at GP18 because... The power of connecting face-to-face and actually building that actual social relationship and being able to understand people's opinions better done in a face-to-face context and or phone is actually a a lot better than just that um, interaction on on a much quicker... Yeah, I think um, so. I think even people with opposing views, if you put them in a social media environment, they uh, they probably... uh, fire up nasty tweets if you put them in a room together with a cup of coffee well there may be a chance that they actually find some common ground in areas where they mm. can agree on for for and it's probably the fact that it's only text and there's no other forms of communication like the non-verbal communication doesn't really stop us from uh, from saying things that we probably shouldn't be saying and that's a real worry I think because I often think that uh, you know, uh, professional uh, boundaries, uh, professional behaviour is not uh, not very uh, uh, good on social media. Unfortunately, mm. I see a lot of examples that I think, hmm, we're a medical profession. Should we really be behaving like this? But then again, I probably have done it in the past too. I hear mm. a, a kind of a theme when developing. Charlotte was saying, how do you moderate yourself being an informal leader to make sure that what you're doing is is not harmful to organisations or not harmful to the profession? Because I guess we've got to remember that 
it's very easy now to speak out and speak loudly and speak in lots of different forums, which, you know, we all do in different ways. But the, the theme underlying that I am detecting is a sense of respect for the profession, respect for each other and respect for the way in which you be an informal leader helps to then make sure that your approach to doing that is um, more respectful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I mean, there's all these social media guidelines, you know, and make sure you don't post when you're uh, angry or when you've had a couple of glasses of wine or, um, you know, but... You know, self-regulation in that sense is not always 100% safe <laughs> and uh, it can slip through occasionally. I don't really have a good answer to the social media interaction, the negative social media interaction. Mm. Apart from that, it is hopefully, you know, colleagues will step in and, and maybe moderate the tone a little bit, yeah. self-moderate. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the informal leadership, from my perspective, has really opened up conversations about things to a broader audience and a broader voice than mm. we have through the, the formal leadership thing. Mm. And for exactly a whole lot of the things that you were sort of taking, I mean, the, the, the limitation of the formal leadership about being constrained in what you can say because of who it is that you're aligned with is one thing but it does give you a, a more powerful voice forward with the ability on that broader um, engagement level is actually making sure that you are mm. actually um, reflecting the opinions or taking people where you you know want to have the debate when they're sort of like you go for goodness sake one earthy you know we talking about it on that level let's put it out there and let's take it forward the classic example about you know how um, people are being treated on our um, refugees to the mm. our offsite Nauru is you know is really firing up a public support that without that sort of informal mm. leadership mm. wouldn't have actually garnered so much um, yeah. support in the yeah. way that it has and the power of people to connect via methods where we can all say yes I also agree with this issue and for people to stand out as an individual to say, yes, I still, I want to stand out about this real issue is really important. And I guess one of the things that you both will remember is um, when the marriage equality debate was happening and members stood up and said to the college, we want a position statement said by the college. And I thought that was a, a real interesting example of informal leadership, how people stood up and spoke about things and said, this is really what we want. So that takes me to my next question, Edwin, which is for those people out there who have something that they are passionate about or an area of medicine that they're passionate about, how do you be an effective informal leader whilst maintaining the good of the profession in mind? Yeah, so I mean, if you're, you're, you're passionate about something, it is, it's great to spread the word via social media. I think that's a wonderful uh, medium um, and 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 your opinion if you're unhappy about something I would first say pick up your phone or send an email um, and 
and, and only if you're not getting anywhere uh, and, and, and the organization's not listening to you, uh, I think then, is, then, then social media can be used almost as a weapon and it's a very effective weapon. Um, but, but I think sometimes we're, we're, but that's just my opinion, we're a little bit too quick to uh, immediately post on social media. Yeah. So thinking about the effect that what you're saying or doing will have on the people involved? Yeah. You mean the... the well, um, in my experience, it's sometimes there, you know, people forget that there's someone behind that behind comment the, yeah, or behind right, that yeah. decision or, mm. um, and it can be something that I've, I well, know contextualizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once I've started to meet people like you, yourself, Edwin, and then Charlotte, and, you know, your regular normal GPs working in normal general practice environments that have a passion for your profession and, and improving the profession, and you get to know you on a personal level, it's much harder for me to then, you know, stand up and say, hey, well, I didn't appreciate when you know, Charlotte did this, because I know you on a personal level. And I guess that to me, <clears throat> made me reflect and go, whenever you're saying something, you've got to remember that there's someone behind that and that there's a person behind that. And so if you're um, stepping out and saying something, then, you know, there is always something you could talk to first. Mm. And if you're going to write something, be mindful that when you're writing that, that there's someone who's going to read that afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you need to say it. Uh, I think a good informal leader is, is somebody who is able to question the status quo and, and, and um, in a very positive way can make it very clear uh, in which direction or that something is not right here. or that. Uh, so, so even though you know somebody, that shouldn't stop you from giving that feedback, of course. Uh, and I guess that happens at the board level as well, where often uh, policies are put in place to prevent things like groupthink and to make sure that people are speaking up and that that you're also looking to the at the other side of the the, the story um, but I guess it's the tone that is important and I, I, I know of many leaders that just are pulling out of uh, social media um, because it, it just gets too much and I've had my fair share uh, as well on social media and I don't think that's a good thing because if you're pulling out of social media you're also missing all the, the good stuff and, 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 yeah. the good, and the good feedback that you need to hear when you're a formal leader so um, yeah that's that's I guess it, it, that would be my message for informal leaders use your powers wisely and uh, in a positive way and only uh, start firing your social media bullets if you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, and it's that it's that aggressive tone because none of us like the aggressive tone. Whereas if you actually sell it with the story, then it makes so much more difference. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, that's like a whole lot of the things when we're talking about things going wrong. You give give the context of the story helps yeah. Yeah. Um, how yeah. we go forward. And I guess members need to um, need to understand that if you send an email to the president or to yeah. the chair. That email is being read and it is forwarded to to others and there's often there are meetings it goes to an expert committee and if you write a really good uh, email with good arguments and you back it up and it's not just a rant 
then it's really being uh, being it's listened powerful. to. Mm. It's right. powerful. Yeah. 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 But I think sometimes the cognitive bias behind anything in text is going to be negative. So whenever you read something, you're always presuming it's coming from a negative tone. And most of social media is there because people are passionate about what they're talking yeah. about. And I think if you remove yourself <laughs> as a leader from the grassroots passion that can be your social media, then you miss out on that big context that yeah. people don't feel that they get connection with you and a formal leadership without it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Any questions for Edwin Beck? I guess so, yeah. yes. Um, so where is the medium then? So where can our formal leaders still have a informal voice or a connection with the informal group at a population level? Um, yeah, I mean, you can, I'm still, I'm using my blog now, but I'm probably uh, being a bit more considerate in what I write. Um, uh, and, uh, oh yeah, that's another thing. Sometimes, you know, it's good to ask a few questions first to make sure that you really understood it and that you're not saying things because quite often stories have got another side to them and we're not yeah. always aware of that and um, even if you read things in the in the news uh, papers on the medical magazines it's not, not always the full story so um, yeah feel free to I'm not saying people shouldn't be using social mm. media or shouldn't be blogging because I'm doing the same I'm mm. still still using it if you really have a problem um, make that phone call or see if you can talk to your representative or whatever organization is you're doing and I guess that's something that I would echo is that the social media isn't your only option is that you don't just have to be a keyboard warrior on Facebook that there are always phone calls or emails or other way to connect with your formal leaders yeah. and they're sometimes going to be more effective at change yes. than making a negative comment on an article or yeah. a post that you've read elsewhere yeah mm. and at a, at a, uh, a different level that is also true for our formal leaders mm. um, you can edit it this if you want because I'm gonna plant uh, my own bridge builders. <laughs> no, go for it. Cross pollination. We're all about that. Yeah. So the yeah. so the bridge builders project is all about getting people uh, from different organisations together and uh, uh, having that coffee I was mm. talking about. Um, so it also I think is um, true for uh, formal leaders uh, that they uh, shouldn't be firing off press releases mm. and position statements, but uh, sometimes it's good for them to get together as well. And I think as um, um, as members, we should ask our formal leaders also to um, talk to each other, mm. keeping conversation with each other. Mm. Any further questions? No, that's been good. Thanks, Edwin. It's a really nice um, way of helping us sort of look at leadership and ways that we can actually influence change for the way in which, you know, obviously we might feel passionately about. But again, the need to make sure that it's measured, backed up with evidence, um, etc. I mean, and respectful. Those, and respectful at all times. Yeah. Respectful. Yeah. Thanks very much. Hang on. It's oh. not finished yet, Edwin. As you know, we have a, oh, have uh, we have a resource of the week that we all share. So 
I might start with my resource of the week that I thought was really interesting. And of course, it's another app. <laughs> it's an app called AS Detect. And I learned about this at an ALM at the RACGP conference on developmental disability. So it's an app for parents and it's for assessing children aged between 11 and 13 months. And it apparently has quite good sensitivity and specificity for parents to identify whether their child may have autism spectrum disorder or not. Mm -hmm. And it has videos showing parents about normal social behaviours of, of children at that age group and what they should be expecting from their children and then allows them to take that information to their general practitioner to, to then discuss those concerns. And I thought that was really cool. Yes. So for 11 to 13 months. Yep. So really quite early. Early. So yes, Leah, less than two years old is what the... the quite yeah. a nice opportunity to then talk about it. But then quite a nice opportunity to then talk about it at the same time as potentially your 12-month vaccinations. Exactly. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, I've got an app this mm. week too um, from the Murdoch. It's about concussion for children. One in five children uh, actually will suffer a concussion. And this app has been um, standardised and validated using some 20 questions and is able to actually then tell the parents whether they and the coach of the team whether they need to send the children to hospital or not for observation of their concussion. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, they've had 22,000 downloads so far. That's a lot. And of those 22,000, 70% have needed to go to hospital. Wow. So that's a significant number. What What's it group? called? <laughs> so it's called Head Check. Head and you check. can find its website on Head Check. Um, dot so it looks like it's green with yep, an outline it. of a face and a brain in it. You got it. Headcheck.com.au and you can just download it onto your phone. But I think as a doctor, it's actually something that is really good to give to um, kids whose um, children are paying sort of contact sports. Edwin? Um, I um, would like to mention the RSCGP webinars about the My Health Record, actually. They are really good. Uh, I have been involved with some face-to-face -face, uh, sessions as well. They're really informative. Um, we're almost uh, at the end of the opt-out period, which ends mid-November. And the webinars are a really good way uh, to get a feel for uh, what uh, my health record can and cannot do. So you can, first of all, make a better informed decision about what you want to do yourself, whether you're going to opt in or opt out, but also to have better informed uh, conversations with your uh, patients. And the webinars uh, are organized by the RSAGP. They're not meant to uh, push you in one way or another, uh, one way or another direction, but just to inform, uh, inform you about my health record. And you can uh, find them on the RSAGP website. Yeah, and we provide a link to that on our podcast. Before we round out today, I'll just mention that... No, one more resource of the day. No, you're not allowed to have your resource. <laughs> I've got a list of resources. <laughs> you forgot yeah. I thought we went anti-clockwise. No, no we it's because I barged you. Yeah. No, it's because we had so many interruptions coming in and out in between. Um, so my uh, resource of the day is going to be another app as well. We've got a bit of a theme of 
apps about children going on. Um, it's called Lactmed, L-A-C-T-M-E-D. Amazing. And it's a great app. So yep. it is um, all about breastfeeding and medications which are safe when breastfeeding. And it's very evidence-based, very easy to use. You can either use um, drug class, drug names, and it'll bring up all the evidence about whether or not it's safe in breastfeeding. Produced by the NHS mm. and free. Exactly. Great. Thanks. Like all of those resources, everybody. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Yep, go and have a nice evening. And I think there's a few dinners to be had. <laughs> <laughs>